Welcome to the Scale with Tech and AI Growth Lab podcast. I am your host, Jay Farr at Tech Fusion Systems. Our guest is Liz Kapantz. Liz is the CEO of EBC Associates, a global executive search headhunter and career advisory professional. Liz, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jay. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Tell us a little bit about <clears throat> tell us a little bit about EBC Associates. What do you guys do there? We do a lot of headhunting, consulting, working with employers to help define what it is they're looking to hire. And then from there, we go and headhunt and find those people. We put a whole process in place. We're also involved with the post-hire once the placement is made, making sure the person is integrated into the organization. So it's a full, full suite of services. Gotcha. So you guys work on both sides. You work with the, the hiring companies and also for job seekers as well? Correct. So we work with the employers to go and find the talent that they're looking for. So we help build talent acquisition teams and in, across various different functions. I'm guessing what's one of the main mediums that you guys work through? I'm guessing you're very big on, on LinkedIn. Yep. LinkedIn, social media, mostly LinkedIn platform is our main social media that we use and leverage. So have built up a good network over the years, Jay. Yeah. You have 43,000 followers. That's quite a few. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I've been doing this for many years. And I remember when LinkedIn was first getting started, it really was a recruiting platform because I'm in the people finding business. That's really how it started. Then when Microsoft acquired them, now, of course, it does so much more. And But it was originally a, a recruiting tool. So it's been many years of hard work and connecting. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. Yeah, that was a few years ago that Microsoft acquired. And uh, it certainly is one of the top platforms to be on for professionals, for sure. How do you feel about a lot of these uh, job search websites and platforms? Uh, there's a, quite a few of them out there and they, they seem to come and go and they keep popping up. Do you guys use yeah. those heavily? Do you recommend job seekers and employers use those platforms? And how do you guys work with them or what are the benefits of just coming to you instead of trying to do it yourself? Because it certainly does seem like a, a spider yeah. web and a mess to get involved in on both sides of it a few times. So what do you think about all that? But so for the job seeker, we always advise cast a wide net, right? There's never one way to find a job. You can certainly and should use the job boards and go direct to some of the company websites that have the career pages there, right? But then in addition to that, it's really key to leverage and use a network to help find a job, build a network. And that's really the goal of the Erudites community that works with the search practice to help connect and refer both businesses and job seekers. There's also J branding and marketing yourself and, and sharing your story is how opportunities are created and found when you share through LinkedIn or Instagram, maybe. So it's really casting a wide net in this whole process. Cast a wide net, which means do it all, right? <laughs> do, it. <laughs> do everything. I know. Right? Uh, don't get overwhelmed by the whole process, but when you apply through a job board, it, it really can be like going to the, the black hole of no return, right? And you hope you'll get a response. So still do that, but then add all these other pieces to it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I know many years ago, the last time I went and worked for an employer, that's pretty much what I did. I did everything. And yeah. uh, I pretty much treated it like a job, like 10 hours yeah. a day, six days a yeah. week. It certainly, it was a job. So when I got a job, I was glad I didn't have to do that job anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
And I do know a few times in my professional career when I was in corporate America, I did use uh, headhunters. I had pretty good experiences. It definitely, I always advise people and, and colleagues and friends and, and people I'm networked with, any, anytime someone is looking for a new opportunity, a new employment opportunity, I always say the first thing you should do is to talk to a headhunter and make sure you're on their list and you are, because those people are going to go to work for you, right? To, to try to match mm -hmm. you with something really good. And then once they're doing their thing, go and do your thing too. But yeah, absolutely. So yeah. this networking group, so obviously LinkedIn is a big one and you have your networking group. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So that's a, I work globally too, Jay, on the search and headhunting side. So we work in Europe, Middle East, as well as through the U.S. And then the network really helps to connect those business owners as well as job seekers to help refer them to opportunities. On the job seeker side, if I come across a great candidate and they don't align with my immediate paid searches, if they wish, they can join the network. And through the network, I have a team of resources such as career coach, resume writer. We have a dedicated LinkedIn coach too. It helps to offer these other resources and then connect them to opportunities. So it's a pretty powerful, unique model where I am today because we leverage both. Yeah, it makes sense. It sounds like the best thing to do is really to, to use both, like join your networking group, get all the resources you can from there, network the best you can there, because it's a, a nice kind of a dedicated pool of people who are interested in business, employment, employers, etc. And then also to use your services directly. Do How do people get involved with you guys, whether they're might be different from the employer side or the job seeker side, but what, what are the, the best channels for people to connect with you guys and to get help, yeah. whether they're looking to, to hire people or whether it's a person looking for a job opportunity? Yeah. So a couple of ways, Jay, we get, I get a ton of referrals just through my network, previous clients, previous candidates, but always on LinkedIn. I'm a bit obsessed with LinkedIn, I'll admit it, but LinkedIn is always a good place. I'm directly on the website to either website. There's a, a contact us form so you can reach out, send a message. We can invite you to the networking meeting if you wish. And then if you're a company looking to hire, you can also through the EDC site, fill out a contact form and it comes directly to myself or someone on my team. Okay, so. cool. Yeah, that's, I'm glad you actually said that because like a lot of the times, like on a website, like if I know a professional on LinkedIn and I go to their website and it's like fill out a form, I'm like, I have no idea who's going to get it or if someone's going <laughs> to get it. So it goes right to you is basically the point. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So yeah, Liz Capants on LinkedIn. And then of course your website is right there and that is ebcassociates.net and then right at the top connect with a consultant form pops up just fill it right out and it'll go right to you and that's both for employers and job seekers correct yep there's one we have different contact different questions for each one but as you scroll there you can choose got it and you said you've been in the uh, job placement recruiting profession for quite a while. How long have you been doing this? Yeah, I've been doing this. Uh, let's see. I launched my practice, Jay, 2008. Worked for a firm prior to this about 16, 17 years-ish. Oh, I know wow. I sound, that makes me sound like a dinosaur, but no, I'm it, it doesn't. Not. It makes you sound very experienced. <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, seen a lot over the years. Was that a tough, was there downsizing? Yeah. Is that why you were like, the heck with this, I'm going to do my own thing? Or how did that come Yeah, up? Great questions. Was uh, a planned process. We had a partner at the time as we launched this and really wanted to create a better experience for job seekers as well as employers. But it was a very challenging time, 2008, probably worst time ever to launch a business, especially in recruitment. But nonetheless hung on and got through those first couple of years, which were not easy, 2008, 9, and 10, and the market started to pick back up. But it was, I guess, there's never a right time to launch a practice. And I do feel fortunate because I really love what I do. I'm very passionate about making that match, learning that person's background or that company and where they're struggling and where they need to make that higher. And so when you bring those two parties together and it's a win, it's rewarding what I do. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that's, that makes it worth it. It gets you yeah. through the tough times, gets you through the tough days. Because let's yeah. be honest, like no matter how enthusiastic we are and no matter how much we are hard chargers, we have those days, right? You have those days yeah. where you're like, I don't feel like doing this today. And, yeah. But if you really love what you do, you get through those days okay. And then you go back to having great days again. I, I find that is so true. And yeah, that's, it's interesting too. If you launched right then at like one of the worst times and then you got through that, that speaks volumes about your abilities to keep growing and to keep being successful. And uh, a lot of people talk about why so many businesses go out of business in a recession or a very hard downturn. And it could be because they haven't been through one before. They've had easy times, right? And they don't know what to do when those, the tough times come. You know all about both. So I think you're uh, going to continue to have a lot of success. I don't know what, when you got cut off there, but you launched right at a really tough time and you got through that tough time. And that just speaks volumes about the fact that you're poised for continuous success. Because if you can make it through the tough times, then when the economy is good and there's upswings and there's growth, then it's super easy. And at the same time, some people don't go through those hard times right in the beginning like you did. Maybe they start in the good times and then when hard times hit, they don't know what to do and they're, they have a lot of problems and a lot of people just quit and give up or don't know how to handle yeah. it and, and go under. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about that these days with you know the uncertainty that we face, but yeah, that's awesome. And now you were talking a little bit about your work that you do with employers, right? Helping them understand what talent they need and what order they need it in. Can you, can you talk about that process and how you engage with them and, and what types of kind of situations they seek your help and advice in figuring out to prioritize like, okay, here's what we think our problems are. Here's who we think we need. How do you figure that out for them to advise them in the best way? So they hire the right people in the right sequence. Yeah. It, it's important to have a strategy behind where you're looking, where the gaps are right in your work and what that title of that job might be, or could it be through our process, Jay, and we start with a needs analysis intake discussion with a client to clearly define the role. Why is it open? Is there someone internal that you could promote into this position, right, before we even engage with that? So we go through a set of questions to help define and clarify that we also look not just today, but we'll, we like to look three, six, nine months out to help with the bigger picture planning, the hires, it's um, intake discussion. And then from there, we find sometimes the role might change from what the company originally thought that they wanted through this discovery intake. So we, we give that definition. And then from there, 
we decide if does it make sense for us to engage or again, could there be somebody internal that you might want to promote or is it part-time, full-time? So we go through this pretty extensive intake process. And then from there, if it makes sense, we, we engage and then we start to execute. We put a timeline in place with an end date of a higher, usually it's anywhere between about six to eight weeks, sometimes 10, depending on the level of the role. We actually did have a placement that took nine months, but that was an exception. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so and that was actually a company that was actually acquiring a business. And it's that's not typical, but mm-hmm. it's about a six to 10 week turnaround. Got it. Yeah. So you brought up some interesting points. So it's interesting that a client comes to you, says, we need someone for this role or to fill this role. And it's interesting that one of the first things you do is you say, okay, let's just make sure we don't already have someone internal because that's oftentimes one of the best hires you can make. Yeah, exactly. Or another um, example, Jay, recently working with this, this business, they have a, it's a family run business. The father is going to start to step down. So the son will be taking over the business. And he originally came to us and wanted to hire some salespeople. And through the intake and the discussion, because they've been around for years and they have legacy clients that they've worked with and a sales team that's been around for years, we found that they really didn't have any marketing because they had relied on their existing customers, kind of word of mouth. And so out of that discussion and that discovery call, they shifted and he said, you're right. I think actually the next hire is somebody in marketing rather than sales, right? right. And he didn't really see that because they've been doing things for the same way for so many years through the father. And now he'll yeah. be just another example, like objectively yes. we can. Some, sometimes an outside perspective, right? You yes. can see things differently from a first yeah. lens. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So they need marketing in place to fill up their salespeople schedules. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, so, that's great that you guys do that. Yeah. It definitely is a little different, I think, because I think most agencies like yours would be happy to just go ahead and place people, right? Yeah, that's great. So definitely have your client's best interests at mind. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You, sorry, yeah. I cut you off there. You were not quite finished, I think. Oh, no, I think that was, I think that was it. I, I was just talking about the average process. And then uh, we're also involved, Jay, with the, the post-hire. Once the candidate starts making sure that the first like three to six months, which is that probation time that they are, their expectations and from the manager's point of view, as as well as theirs, that they're delivering and making sure that they're in the right place and uh, making making sure it's a success for the company and for the candidate. Oftentimes I've seen over the years, the post-hire is underutilized and that's as critical as finding the right person is making sure that again, as they assimilate into the company, especially virtually, virtual teams sometimes can be too siloed and not really communicate. So that post-hire, we get as involved as the client wishes. Sometimes we're very involved, sometimes we're just a little bit involved, but we get to know our candidates very well so that we are that mediator between them and their new direct report. Yeah, that's an interesting point too. And and I was speaking to a gentleman the other day and we were discussing the hiring success rates in this country, which are horribly low or could be higher, we could say. And, yeah. and it's interesting you bring up the post hiring process that you guys are engaged in that. I, I would imagine the post hiring, having a good post hiring process helps some of that 
where yeah. you could have easily have a loss of someone who was a great fit and a great candidate and with a great opportunity. But for some reason, the beginning stages aren't, I guess, carried out as, as well as they yeah. should have been. And so that's an interesting point to, to bring up. What types yeah. of things would you advise companies, anyone listening, like what types of things do you advise uh, doing to make sure that process, I guess, increases the chances of success for both the employee and the employer to make sure that yeah. it's great in the beginning, yay, the first day, and then things don't get sour and get off yeah. track? Great question. And it could be as basic and fundamental, honestly, as just communicating, right? And over-communicating in this virtual world so that the new hire understands deliverables and what's expected. And then on the manager side, they're communicating that. So it, it's really, it's just taking the time to communicate that clearly. And I know that sounds like it's very basic, but it sometimes is overlooked because the manager is so busy doing their job that they assume, oh, this person can figure it out and they want them to get up and running quickly, but they may not have everything that they need, mm -hmm. right? Resources and just setting up even weekly meetings to clearly explain, here's what I expect and making sure the candidate is understanding and able to deliver. So it's nothing other than basic communication many times and being clear with that, um, not assuming that somebody will know exactly what to do. There's a lot of video online training and onboarding for the post hire, but that one-to-one -one sort of people interaction is still so key, yeah. right? And I feel yeah. like in this virtual world, it's sometimes harder and people become so siloed and work so independently that if there's a new hire, they don't necessarily integrate them or make sure they fully understand what the project might be. It's funny because it's like you said, it's one of those things that's, it's not complicated or hard to understand, but I think it's one of those things that's just so easy not to do, or maybe it's yeah. just so easy not to see the importance of. It's interesting because I had a fantastic employee and she moved out of country and we part on fantastic terms and everything. And she went to work for this company. Of course, I put in a good word and they hired her right up and she's a rock star. And this company just completely botched it up and they think she doesn't know how to do her job and she's no good. And she's a rock star. She was one of the best hires. Yeah. And it was so funny. And I'm like, these people, and she said to me, they don't tell me what they expect. They, they tell me that they want me to do, but they don't give me any guidance on it, even though I asked them and there's all this stuff going on. It was right in those beginning stages too, like you said, and so that's not going to work out. And this company is wow. going to lose a really good person. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues there. I think that's a big selling point for you guys that you certainly seem to take on. Cause I know with some headhunting firms, they're very much just checking the box. The job's done. We got paid. We're done. But you guys seem yeah. to take a much more consulting based approach to where you can understand what your clients need and yeah. take care of all that for exactly. them. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. And over the years, Jay, so we work on a retainer basis only for that reason. We reason we provide much more than can we find the person? Yes. But let's A, make sure it's the right role, the right person, the right skill set, clarify the, the title, right? Go through that process. Over the years, I have seen hiring can be a very rushed process. And when you rush something and you end up wasting time and money, right? There's so much that gets wasted in the process because also, too, when you think about the, the company, sometimes those hires are contingent on new clients. So they have new clients coming on board. Okay, now we need to service the clients. So we need some of these roles. So I understand that sometimes it is a very frantic, not frantic, but, oh, we need people quickly, immediately. But 
there's ways that you can manage that so that you get the right people and you take the time to invest in the right talent. Otherwise, if you rush it and don't take the time, you end up wasting money because then to backfill a role can be thousands, tens of thousands sometimes and uh, wasted time for both the candidate and the and the company and the client you may not deliver so well for the client and now you have an angry client and that's really expensive well, exactly. on top of everything yeah. else yeah, yeah that's not exactly good. yeah it's yeah so it's interesting that you mentioned that so yeah so your business model is very much retainer based and you are working yeah. with your clients on a probably long-term basis or forever yeah probably at, in some capacity and yeah definitely planning is definitely important capacity planning is you know, yeah. never a perfect process, but a uh, little, little goes a long way, I think. Um, yeah, interesting. It's a lot that goes into it. It's also the company branding of the company itself. And they're, so they're attracting those candidates to them through their messaging. And that's recruitment marketing is part of everything. A lot that goes into the whole process. Yeah, definitely. So here's a curveball for you. Oh, what do you do for, for what do you do for fun? And do you have any hobbies? <laughs> To break it up. What for do a I minute. do for fun? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, a great question. What do I do when I'm not when I'm not recruiting, recruiting and <laughs> building calls and meetings, which I love. I love going to the theater, play tennis, exercise, travel. I do love to read, although lately it puts push to the back burner because my work takes up a lot of the time. But but yeah, just yeah. Tennis, uh, tennis, travel. That's oh. uh, that's cool. Yeah, I like yeah. tennis. I, I don't, yeah. I don't get to play. I'm not very good, but I'm, I'm pretty athletic. So I, I get by anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not yeah. very good at tennis. <laughs> yeah. Have you tried uh, Jay Pickleball? Uh, no, yes. Pickleball I, is... I've heard of it, but I've never, I don't even know what it is. Yeah. It's, it's become the biggest rage I think recently. And so I haven't played myself, but I know people that are into it. So I'll have to try it one of these days, but haven't yet. That's awesome. So, that's, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely, once I'm done on the computer, like you, I'm, I read so much and, but I only have so much time to read actual books that I want to read and instead of things that I have to read, but I, I do a little yeah. bit, but generally yeah. speaking, I want to get away from the computer when I'm done working, if that ever yeah. happens and uh, yeah, do something uh, oh, athletic yeah. and uh, yeah. Definitely important to unplug and take that time away and break from your work. It's something I focus to do more of and have been the past year. Uh, otherwise you get too consumed in your work. Mm-hmm. And so my, my issue is, Jay, I have a hard time shutting my business off, like shutting it off because mm-hmm. I built it to a point where it's like, it doesn't feel like work. I, my yeah. colleagues and clients and they're become friends. So it's like, for me, it's not work. It's like, yeah, just That's a cool uh, place to be though. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's good when you get to that place to where you like all of your clients. I think for yeah. me, when I started out doing agency work and tech work, and when you first start out, a lot of times you just, you take whatever business comes because you don't really yeah. have your marketing and your sales up. And there's a lot of things you haven't figured out yet. And you end up having some bad relationships and, and that makes business really not enjoyable. Right? Oh yeah. And I've had some you... of that too. Trust me. Yeah. I've had that <laughs> over yeah. the years. I think that's one of the biggest lessons that new entrepreneurs don't think about. There's a lot of things I think new entrepreneurs don't think about before they go through that journey, Uh, but that's one of the big ones. Yeah. It's not just about getting paying work. It's about getting paying work that you want to do with people you want to work with. That's a big, exactly. Yeah. And I think also just having the resilience to deal with that and the, as a woman business owner, I know myself personally over the years have 
put up with a lot of, excuse my language, crap and things where, you know, I'm thanks to my parents, very resilient and was had that as a foundation, right? Because you really have to be, have that grit and resilience to deal with things that go south, crappy clients that treat you the, the wrong way or this, that, and any business owner. But I think especially as a woman, it's something that I feel very fortunate that I, my parents built this resilience in me and I could not have sustained yeah. what I do if I hadn't had that. Yeah. It's, it's not for everyone for the, what's it's not for the faint of heart. Exactly. It, takes, it takes a lot to make it in the business world. It took, yeah. yeah. That's awesome though. So here's a question for you. Like, have you had to adapt to any major changes and shifts in your industry and what new trends do you see coming? So this year I really call it Jay. It's like a year of evolution on the hiring side. We're going through a reset or a stabilization and to some extent, back to pre-pandemic levels. We had last year in 2021, especially last year, we had this like over-hiring happening and, and people were, businesses were trying to make up for 2020 and over-hired. And then about last year from a year ago to last September, we started to see companies put a pause. And then of course, you've seen some of the layoffs happening in certain industry sectors. So we're going through this overall a reset and stabilization to the pre-pandemic. We followed the data and the stats and the, the numbers that came out for August. So Unemployment inched up to 3.8%. Number of jobs added in August was, I believe, 187,000. So a little bit over what was predicted, but it's a... And then, of course, we have AI and chat GPT and all these tools that are adding to the whole process and certainly helping. But at the end of the day, we're still in a people... This is a people business. So having that one-to-one, keeping the people in hiring is really what we aim to do. Yeah. People first. AI is... It's new, but it's here. My, my assessment is it's very new, but it's here and people are using it. The thing about AI is I always use the example of the cloud technologies. This was the last huge new technology to, to come out. And it took 10 or 15 years for the technology to, to get fully adopted and to live up to all the hype. AI is going to be much shorter. So it's interesting and I'm pretty active in kind of the community of AI and what's going on, but I don't think anyone knows what AI is going to do. Um, yeah, right. I agree with you though. I agree with you. Definitely. It's not going to replace humans in, in a lot of fields, but it is going to augment, I think our ability yeah. and that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping it, AI will just empower us more. It will displace jobs. Yes, but it will also create some new ones, but I'm hoping overall it's going to be a, a, a mostly a, a big positive thing. I'm, I'm hoping. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah. it's something we're all just going to have to adapt because yeah. you know, there'll be a point to where if you don't, then it's like not having a computer right now. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You, I know. Like exactly. I have to have a computer. Like yeah. I have to have one of these. And if I don't, yeah. I, I can't compete. It's, exactly. Yeah. And from the job seeker too, depending on what you do and what your skills are, a lot of people are going to have to pivot and find what these new jobs in within AI and tech and that are growing because the job functions will change. We've also got a generational shift happening. So the boomers are continuing to step out many of those roles may not get backfilled to replace those or to come up with new jobs, new skills. This again is the year of the, we're going through a, a change in evolution this year I've seen and stabilization in just the job market and hiring. Yeah. So it's interesting. Like you said, we don't really know what the impact AI will have. We can't really predict that, 
We know certainly it can help and we will all leverage the tools, but we don't, nobody really knows where the next five years, 10 years will go. I don't think humanity has ever had a very good crystal ball. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> How much, so speaking about AI, I, I like to ask like, what types of technologies and automations and AI have, have helped you in, in your business? Have you done much with that? And if so, what are some major pieces of your tech stack that have helped you guys be really successful? Yeah. So we have, I, I feel like we've just scratched the surface this year with some of the tools that my team is using to implement certainly on outreach to candidates. And we have a, I have a sourcing team, Jay, that's based on what the client, our clients are looking for. We can put in those, those keywords and really be laser focused on the exact skill set. So we've got all of that in place already. And so targeting. Uh, like oh, yeah. getting better 100%. at targeting and that's tough, yeah. right? Because like, in, it seems to me like in that field, like I just remember reading a lot of like job post like requirements, right? And like so many of yeah. them, like they're so vague, you could put like a hundred yes. of them next to each other and they're all the same. Yeah. You know, must work and, and, well yeah. with others. Like I'm and, okay. And so yeah. it makes it tough because yeah. like you can use tools to search the data, but if the data's not so yeah. good. So that's interesting that you bring that up. Have you found that to be challenging to target both employers and job seekers as well as you would like to? I think we've refined the process over the years and can quickly evaluate and assess a, an applicant, right? So we, we step out of the job description when you really have to understand, because you're right, at the end of the day, a lot of these jobs sound the same. Team player, a player, whatever the, the verbiage is. I see a lot of rock star use the word. And really, through our assessment process, we can gauge fairly quickly. I think we've refined it again over the years so that we can understand as important, this is a two-way street, Jane, so as important is the candidate's motivations, right? Why are they even looking, right? Is this the right job, you know, for you? What are you looking for in the next step? More money, career growth, those are some typical things. But through that assessment and evaluation, we're very thorough, but it has to be a win for both because keep in mind the candidate is evaluating the company as much as the, the company is evaluate the candidate, even though as a candidate, you may not feel that way. You feel like you're at the mercy of the employer, but in essence, you are vetting them and making sure, is this the right company, the culture, the scope of work? Is this, can I see myself here? So it's from both sides, the prospective employer and the candidate. Gotcha. If that makes yeah, sense. And to your point that you made before, that's where the human element comes in, where yeah. AI can't do that. Yeah, exactly. But it definitely gotcha. helps, we know, yeah. so... It's a, there's Jay, I don't know what it is. There's a fine art to, to recruiting. I have no idea what it is, but yeah. it's, I think some people think, oh, it's easy. I could match. I wear a therapist hat, a mediator mm -hmm. hat. I wear a, sometimes a legal hat, a I wear all these hats in recruitment. And it's really just understanding both sides and pulling those together to make it a win, yeah. to make that match. No, it's um, not, no, I totally get it. Like you didn't even actually have to say that because like everything that you've described to us and your process and your passion and your understanding and your intuition of it, I think that already came through for us. You oh, know? And okay. I totally see I, that. And it's yeah. interesting that you said that because I oftentimes say it's a lot like we do a lot of tech work. We do a lot of automation. We do a lot of high converting sales funnels and things of that nature. And there's a lawful lot of things you have to know, but there's also an art and a science to that as well. It's an art and a science, right? You have to understand it very intuitively to do it well. And I think probably your, your role is very similar. 
Yeah, it's a, and I don't know what exactly that skill is, Jay, in recruitment, but it's some of a. It's kind of hard to, maybe intangible. It's like some of it's hard to define. It, yeah, or it really it. is. It's a, for me, I feel like it's, it's just something very natural to me. It's just something I love meeting people, again, hearing their background, speaking with business, understanding where those challenges might be. And, and so for me, it's just been, it's something very natural for me. Probably why I'm always on the phone or on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, but. that's awesome. What are your big picture plans or, or goals for the firm? Do you have any or your network? Where are things yeah. going? Continuing to grow, Jay. I've uh, got some exciting news with the network. I'm about to announce in the next week or two launching or partnering with a SaaS platform. So that will bring in a lot more functionality and tools and exposure globally. That's uh, been in the works for a couple of months. And then on the search side, just continuing to grow, grow the business, add to the team. But this new partnership will be a good coming in the next probably two weeks. So excited about that. Yeah, that's really exciting. More. I'm interested yeah. to know. <laughs> yes, you'll be one of the, the first, a uh, lot of, lot more technology and tools. And I built a system already, but uh, this will just be far more functionality and ways for businesses to showcase what they do as well as get direct introductions through the network. I'll be sharing more with you very soon. That sounds great. I'm so. going to keep my, my eyes open for that and share it out when I see it. I'd love to see what that is. So yeah. I have one, one more question for you and then we'll see if you have anything you want to add, but what advice would you like to give to other entrepreneurs looking to succeed in a big way that you wish you would have known when you started? Yeah. So I would say two things going back to resilience and grit and being able to manage the ups and downs that come with any business owner. Number number two is to build a network. Uh, when you have a network and you build uh, with other entrepreneurs, small businesses, it could be anyone. When you have a good network, essentially that acts as your sales team, Jay, if you have a good network in place. And that really is key because as you start out as a solopreneur, it could be isolating, it could be demotivating, you're trying to make money, you're trying to focus on your business. So uh, I would say, again, resilience and grit and making sure that you're prepared for the ups and downs. And number two is the network is so key and that's really what's fueled my business. This is why I, I have the networking group. And it's through those referrals that when other people recommend me, it's far better than me saying, well, work with me because I'm the best thing or let me see if I can help you. When you get that endorsement from a strong network, it's a game changer. Absolutely. That's fantastic advice. I, and I totally agree with you too. And the networking side, I didn't do early on and I should have. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Great advice. Thanks so much. So if people want to work with you again, connect on LinkedIn, tell us uh, what, where to find you. What do I do if I'm a job, if I'm an employer and I want to hire your services, or if I'm a job seeker, tell us what to do. So on LinkedIn, um, you find me, Liz Capants. My, both my businesses are there. My direct links to my website are there too. Uh, you can direct email me. You can go through the contact form as we chatted about, Jay. So either way is perfectly fine. And and by the way, Jay, you're part of my network now too. So yep. welcome. So you're I part am. of this whole- Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely, Amazing. you definitely know what you're doing. I love your approach to this because it's such a problem. And I work with so many um, businesses who have a really hard time hiring the right people. Some of it's their fault, some of it's not, some of it's the nature of it, but it's definitely your services are very much needed. And so I'm going to tell everyone about you. And as soon as I can send you a referral, I will be happy to do. So. Oh, amazing. 
I appreciate this opportunity, Jay, and hopefully this was helpful to prospective employers or even startups that are startups. Oftentimes they get their financing, they get their money in, and then they hire their cousin or their brother, which sometimes isn't always the best decision, right? As we work a lot of startups as they're growing and again, putting a strategy in place and helping define the role, the right roles. Yeah. Absolutely. Liz Kapantz at EBC Associates. It was great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Jay. Appreciate it. Awesome.